What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And this is the pre-COVID edition. It's a series of interviews I did while on tour back in fall of 2019. And even though a whole lot of life has happened in between, I felt like their stories would still bring value to you. On this episode, we have LA-based comedian Paul Green. He dives into cancel culture and the things he's learned about it and how it affects comedy in general and how it's been affecting him. And then he also dives into the value of mentorship and breaks down some of the things he's been learning. A whole lot of wisdom happens. It's a great episode. Hope you guys enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. If French toast and pancake had a fight, who would win? Uh, well, the, the French toast would just surrender, so, <laughs> so clearly the pancake. Very clear for you? Yeah, they would be like, we give up. Interesting. You can take okay. the syrup. I see. So a lot of people are on French toast side. Yeah. Well, you're just saying are you he's just going to give up. Are you allowed to make fun of French people still? Because the, the, Again, it's just the, if you're okay with your, your career tanking. Yeah, That's yeah. The I, range of available things you can make fun of tighter, are very tighter. shrinking, and you say the wrong thing. And I guess it's not so much if you can make fun of French people now, it's can you still make fun of French people like within the next 20 years? That's important. Because if this pops up 20 years from now... This and one now, obscure podcast. This one obscure like, podcast. This guy said, yeah, yeah, right before you're hosting the Oscars. Right and before then, I'm hosting the Oscars, it's going to come <laughs> like, out. Or me. a week before my first episode of SNL is about to air like that other comedian. <laughs> yeah, that's rough, man. The whole cancel culture thing is... Yeah. I. And like we were talking earlier, like I come from a more liberal like stance, but even then I was at a festival in New Braunfels just a few days ago and the owner of the company kind of put it on. Uh, he He's from Austin, which is, oh, I think everyone in Austin is like the blue section of the entire red yeah. state. But even then he's like, man, it's just so tough. Like you gotta be so smart, but then you don't, I've seen like we're him. He's like, I wanna post something that I thought would be funny and engaging, but I don't know can't do yeah. it anymore so does that affect you as far as like comedy wise is oh yeah that, yeah constantly constantly you know because like obviously i'm not famous today but i would like to be and right. it's like and it's not so much you know when you make it big it's like you are now held accountable for anything you've ever said in your entire life <laughs> at any that point might that somebody might construe as um, offensive this is actually right. a true story after that snl thing mm -hmm. came out uh, with, with that comedian i don't remember his name yeah i can't think of it either um and we'll never know now. Yeah, yeah, now we'll never know. Um, but I posted this video of me performing 10, this is 10 years ago. Okay. I was in an improv troupe in Arizona called The Jesters, which has really got me springboarded into my comedy career. Right. I performed with them for about six years. And we used to do an improv game called Around the World. Nice. And the idea was the audience would yell out, accents from all over the world okay and you know it's audience participation right and so whoever was hosting the game would just write down all of these accents and we get everywhere i, I can and see how the, this could be problematic yes exactly so the point of the game obviously <laughs> is we'd be going throughout the game and we would start a scene and then the director would just start yelling out these accents and we have to change on the spot right which is actually a really cool exercise which is that and it was legit. people's favorite game people went crazy and right. of course we would hit on a lot of like stereotypes and stuff when mm -hmm. we'd go to different accents like the french thing right like anytime <laughs> you'd get french somebody would surrender in you exactly. know surrender something like, right of course that's so how it's, it's a happen. little kitschy or whatever but people people love the game well um but there's a video of me on there doing these accents and assuming characters and doing accents right 
which you can't do anymore. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to well, do it anymore. Well, you can. You, you just can. Be... It's, it's offensive. It, <laughs> right. It, 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 you know, like, because it it's me portraying what are considered minorities or, right. you know, or being uh, racist or whatever. And so there's this video of me that I posted on a YouTube channel that I don't have access to anymore, which, by the way, YouTube, I am fed up and furious with you and your customer service. Exactly. My gosh, this has been a nightmare. So the channel <laughs> is 10 years. Does this get any distribution? I need YouTube yeah, to see that. we need to put it in there. So, so the channel I posted on is like a 10-year-old channel before Google bought them out. Okay. So it's now considered a legacy channel. So I can't log into it. Really? Because... In order to log into it, I have to go through this process, and I have to remember my password from 10 years ago. <laughs> I have typed every iteration of every password I've ever used in my life, and I cannot get into this account sucks. to delete the video. Right? So, so yeah, when you so hit it's the out there. Oscars. So then be- <laughs> I've been flagging it and flagging it and flagging it. It's like, this is a privacy violation. This is a copyright well violation. All I've right. been doing all of this. And then not YouTube working. just comes back and just like, sorry, we do not feel this is a privacy violation. And like, I'm like, I'm trying. You do not have the right to have this video that I posted of me online. <laughs> Take it down. Take it down. This is my property. <laughs> because if I ever, you know, because in the video, I'm impersonating. I'm doing like a Chinese accent and I'm doing gotcha. it and a Chinese person. Right. And I'm like. It's right. like now where they can't understand the context and right. what you were in. Right. Even right. though the video I explain the, the video is very clear what's going on. Right. This is an improv sketch. But that doesn't, person, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All they see is a white guy impersonating a Chinese person. Right. And it's bad. I mean, like now because I'm all woke. <laughs> like and stuff, I wouldn't do that now. No, I, I, honestly, I wouldn't. But in a, and that is the reality. Like I wouldn't yeah. do that today. But I did it ten years ago. The audience right. is dying laughing. Of course. Right. Everybody's having a good time. But in today's culture, if somebody wouldn't found that video and posted it when I'm about to get on SNL, like, because I saw the video that brought down the other SNL guy. Yeah, see, I like, never really, I don't really know what he said, so yeah. I really can't yeah, speak I on Yeah, I mean, it, he, so. said, he said something racist. I, I don't think he meant it to be derogatory, but it right. was, it was, it was, it was a little racist. Well, and little see, I, the way I grew up, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican, and then my, I had an uncle who married a black woman, and then my dad married a German woman, and so it was like, we just grew up with this very mixed family. And yeah. then a lot of my friends, we had like this country white guy, we had like a Korean guy, and we made it sport to like make fun of each other. So right. it's like if we had Twitter back then, oh my God. we'd be yeah. screwed. But then I found out when I went to college, not everyone else lived that way. Because I tried right. to make jokes with people and they're like looking at me like, whoa. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, I'm no, you don't, that's not what I mean. Right. So, and I think sometimes people just get caught up in that kind of thing. It's like overwokeness, maybe. You think so? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's an it's an overcompensation for a, you know a lot of stuff that needed to be corrected and a lot right. of stuff. Right. So maybe just swing hard over yeah. here, and eventually it comes back. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully we we can get back to reasonable. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's been unreasonable on the other side. So like you know, so I understand. I I'm see. What you're I'm saying. sensitive to that. You know, right. it's like there is legitimate racism and there is legitimate hate speech and there is legitimate. Um, you know, subduing of minorities. And so like, you know, and then you also get to like what's going on with, you know, like the Me Too movement mm-hmm. and, and the backlash of that and the backlash of, you know, Trump and, and all of this. So like, there's a lot of like, not that, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And so, and you know, I, I heard one comedian, I was listening to a podcast and I'm not going to be able to credit his name because I don't remember, but he just said, hey, this is, this is the weather that this is the weather that we are flying through. This is the headwind we have to deal with. So it's so, figured out. 
It's like, so, you know, the fact that I have to go through a little bit of hassle to try to get a video or move, which honestly I don't need online. Right. You know what I mean? And when I watch it, I'm like, now, yeah, I'm like, that's probably a little offensive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, 10 years ago, but that's where I was at 10 years ago. That's mm-hmm. what was funny to me in that audience in that moment. Um, but I don't need it out there. And so if, <laughs> so it, YouTube, so if the it worst out. victimization I have to deal with is <laughs> is to take down a video from, right. from 10 years ago to be, you know, to be more sensitive to the culture. It's like, so in a sense, it pales in comparison I'll take to that. where it was. Yeah, I I'll take that saying. as opposed to, okay. you know, maybe actually being a minority who's, you know, who has to deal with the actual deal with the actual victimization of that so anyway i'm not complaining everybody i (laughs) it's just i've had a pretty good (laughs) well and it is interesting because it does seem like there are some some moves to swing things back maybe towards more a balance at this point where like my oldest son he's he's black and mexican and and he there's some things where i felt i got really like up in arms about he's like oh that doesn't really bother me yeah. like oh it's like i that's what i was saying over wokeness where in a sense it's i think there's sometimes where like i think he's helping me see like maybe i'm being overly reactive yeah. about some things too but but no that's a good perspective because yeah shit was really bad over here why not adjust and maybe we just need to live in that for a while so yeah i mean it it would be nice if we could get get to a point where, where people could try to be understanding, yeah, right, uh, of even those who are perceived as being, you know, the um, the abusers or whatever, you know, like if somebody saw that video of me, and by the way, lots of people have, yeah. you know, like when it came out, I mean, it's probably one of the highest viewed videos that I have online. Oh, nice. Well, historically, I guess not nice. So. Um, well, no, like because <laughs> back, back in the day, it was still funny, and people were right. sharing it. Oh my gosh, this is like, brilliant! This, this is so funny, and 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 all of that. But yeah, now it's just like, well, yeah, maybe I could try to get that taken down. <laughs> maybe one day, hopefully, something will help. Yeah, if I can get YouTube to. Oh my gosh, it's been it's been a nightmare. I just keep flagging it. I just keep flagging it and flagging it. I'm like, I'll, I'll just flag this until somebody finally goes like, fine, we'll just take it down. Oh, geez, like, geez, someone it's, really is be bothered. Easier by this to one. take it down than than to have to. Yeah, because because here's the funny thing. So here's the process. So I flag it as mm-hmm. um, a privacy violation. Okay. And it's their rules are like, if your likeness or image or name is portrayed in a video, that's a go. privacy violation. I'm like, I am acting. It's four minutes of me acting I'm right. like that is clearly my image <laughs> yeah very clearly. so, so anyway so, so their process is they notify the owner of the channel to yeah. take it down damn that's me <laughs> did you get a notification and i don't get any notification because i can't log in and i don't know what email address my suspicion is the email address that i actually use to establish the account is is defunct gotcha because it's 10 years ago. Well, that happened to me. I have an Instagram account that I was trying to get into. Yeah. And uh, it was connected to an email that was part of a website that I no longer host. Yeah. And it just ran out like that month. It was yeah. from a previous band. And I went to go buy. I was like, well, I'll just buy the domain, you know, re-fire up this email, get it going again, and then cancel it. Well, someone else went and bought oh, it. Oh, no. And, so, and it was like three, $400 now to get it. I was like, yeah. well, that, that Instagram account's gone. I actually thought about doing that because I think... Because when I posted the video, I was a realtor, uh, and I had a, a realtor domain. Now I haven't been a realtor for five years. Okay. But I was like, I bet you it's associated with my realtor, and it's and my domain was like realtorpaulgreen.com. Yeah. So that's a pretty specific domain. I doubt anybody snatched that up. So I was like, man, do I need to go rebuy that domain, 
open up an email account because I think it was Paul Green at realtorpaulgreen.com. <laughs> so I was like, do I need to go reinstitute that email address? Right. Complain. But here's my concern though, is I'm going to get that email address. They're going to send me a notification to be like, hey, so-and-so wants to remove this video. If you believe him, go ahead and log into your YouTube account. Like, Damn it. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't log into this YouTube account because I don't remember what my password was right. for it. Now, I have a pretty consistent password. I know this is not uh, security safe, but yeah. uh, I pretty much have one iteration of a password. I got, a, pretty I got much like used. two to three I rotate. And yeah, and I've like, there's numbers I've and tried letters. every iteration, every iteration of that. And, yeah, and I can't get into that won't log me into that into that legacy account. Yeah, one day sometime, now. hopefully YouTube will just be like, okay, we're out. So, yeah, yeah, I, I just don't know why they just why not just defunct the the channel. Yeah, you know, and just be like, okay, this channel has been dormant for ten years and a ton of privacy violations. Yeah, a ton reports. of privacy violations. Let's just kill it. Yeah, just we'll send the notification. Hey, if you don't <laughs> log in and change this, we're, we're gonna we're gonna delete your channel. There's like right. eight videos of it. All of them are real estate videos it's like me like showing except for the house, one comedy one except for the one comedy one that was a transition point for you yeah was it you're like ah, eh, okay peace out well no so. i mean i was yeah i was so were you doing comedy as a realtor yeah. or did okay so what did that look like as a realtor as a comedian well yeah so i mean i was i was realtor for 10 years i i started doing that in like 2004 okay i joined this comedy troupe in 2008 and you know i mean I never considered comedy a profession, mm-hmm. you know. So real it's estate kind of a was passion my day job. Deal. Yeah, and then I would do I would do this comedy troupe. It's just that the comedy troupe was really where my heart was. So it's like right. even though that was my hobby, I treated it like my career. And real estate, although that should have been I got my a career, showing. Geez. Yeah, totally. You know, I just my heart wasn't in it, and and that's a game that's pretty intense too. Yeah, it's yeah. super competitive. I mean, there's a, especially and that was in out Arizona. Are you in Arizona? Okay, yeah, in Phoenix area, especially because I got right in the real estate boom. Everybody was getting a real estate license. Gotcha. Everybody. So you had to hustle that too. Yeah. But the passion started, what was the name of the troop again? It's called Jesters. Jesters. Okay. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. So they, they're great, great troop. They do a, they do like a short form improv show, like a 90 minute show, mm. kind of similar to Whose Line Is It Anyway nice. um, type format. Short, I dig it. Short, funny improv games and music improv and um, wacky and fun and, yeah. and zany. And, but you also really got an opportunity to to like hone your improv chops and your comedy chops and right. cuz you're making it up you know live in front of an audience and so yeah I did very well there and and um was there a moment uh in that troupe was there someone in there that inspired you to really take a step out go fully into comedy or what did that well process look like for you not in that troupe so how that all happened was so I'd done gestures for about six, seven years, and I was doing everything for that Mm -hmm. troupe. They would do four shows every weekend in their theater, and they would do, had a huge corporate list. Nice. I did hundreds of, like, corporate gigs, random corporate gigs for them. Um, I was, they obviously teach improv. I was teaching a lot of their classes. So you dove in. Yeah, I was dove in. While also still showing houses. Yeah, while still showing houses or whatever. So you had zero time. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, well, no, I just didn't spend a lot of time in real estate. Um... (laughs) I got wow, one, just one showing. Yeah, I think I got a showing this, this week, and I, I mean, gave that's him, the thing. I gave him the like, keys, told him to walk around, right. tell me what they think. exactly. <laughs> that's the thing about real estate. It's like you know, I mean, I was self-employed, and, and I could just. It's like if I sell a house a month, yeah. you know what I mean? That's enough to get by. You there know you what go. I mean? um, but anyway, so <laughs> but yeah, so I done gestures, and I got to a point. It's like yeah, you know, you know, I feel like I just need like a break. You know, yeah. I'll just step away for a little bit. Um, so anyway. 
during that time when I was taking a break, I got a um, like an email for somebody advertising a stand-up comedy class, and I'd never tried stand-up. I was actually terrified to stand-up. Still okay. am, actually. <laughs> but anyway, um, I like how I mugged the camera for some stuff. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> like, I'm talking directly to you for this To one, all of you guys. people out there. Um, yeah, so anyway, so I go to this stand-up comedy class, and I don't know this guy from Adam. His name's uh, Tony Bissick. So I take his class, and there's a showcase at the end of the class, you know, where we get to do our five minutes, and... Um, so I, I do the five minutes that I'd written. So he's the one who pulls me aside. Okay. And he just says to me, he goes, uh, what the F are you doing in Arizona? I'm like, what? He was like, why aren't you in LA? Why aren't you in New York? I was like, what, 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 what? Like, <laughs> Just no tree one, for a lip. Yeah, nobody had ever, like, spoken to me like that before. Like, no, right. you actually have a chance. That's a good awesome. chances, you know, and... and <laughs> If you knew Tony, like, it's funny because if it came from anybody else, I You're don't like, think Like, oh, it, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's just like, oh, go, yeah, go be famous. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you don't know what that's like. But if you knew Tony, first of all, he's not a bullshitter. Okay. He's not your friend. You know what I mean? Right. He, he's not He's like, just going to tell you what he really thinks. He's not a warm-hearted, you know, grandpa <laughs> type. I mean, the guy, you know, I mean, he, he was uh, a comedian all throughout his life. Mm-hmm. And he's owned clubs, and he's been a teacher, and... You know, he was an actor. Like, he, he's done all of that stuff. Yeah. He's kind of lived his life, and now he's happy, you know, teaching this class. But he's, yeah. The fact that he would say that because he's seen it all. Right. And he's, so emphatically. It yeah. sounds like he's just yeah. like, what the hell are you doing, man? Yeah, and again, I mean, he, and he's, there's just no bullshit, you right. know, with him. He's just like, why aren't you doing this? Hmm. As simple as that, you know? Did you have an answer at that moment? No. Or was it something that just kind of rocked you? No, I mean, because again, it had never, ever occurred to me. It never had occurred to me that, um, you know, first of all, that I had any sort of gumption to go try. Right. That just how, wasn't how I built. I wasn't a go get your dreams guy. I was like, barely survive guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, You're so, like, I guess I got to be a go get my dreams guy yeah, now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll do that. But anyway, yeah, so, you know. It took me a year, and a bunch of other incredible miracles happened over that next year, and met a lot of remarkable people. Like people started coming to my life. Like I, I met a, a a life coach named Dan Rouse who nice. helped me a ton. I have Just a started friend working who's on in here, a country you know? band, and he credits he found a life coach, yeah. and he credits this life coach to a lot of growth for yeah. him as well. So that's. It's cool to hear how mentors just coming along and speaking things into you, man. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it just starts here. You know, it's like how you perceive the world and the way that you think about yourself and yourself in the world and how you perceive things. And mm-hmm. yeah, he just kind of just started working here. And then also, you know, Tony Visick, he just kind of kept at, at me, you know, so I took yeah. his, so I started taking his class on a recurring basis and nice. started, you know, building on some material. And um, Tony gave me a lot of great opportunities, like well beyond where I was at in terms of a stand-up, you know, like he, yeah. he let me be like a feature act and do 20 minutes like nice. a couple months into my thing, which is... No pressure. Of, yeah, right? no pressure. Oh, <laughs> maybe for you. <laughs> I felt a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, no, I could only... Ma- I couldn't do three minutes of stand-up, yeah. period, let alone 20. I, that'd yeah. be nuts, especially that either. early on. Just kidding. You um, but anyway, well, you yeah. you can. You got that four-minute video I got that four-minute... Yeah, I got that four-minute... Well, that's improv. Least... That's improv. Oh, that's oh, improv, you bad. see. Improvisation, I'm actually really comfortable with. Stand-up is very different. So you got this life coach coming in. Was there a was there a particular paradigm shift that happened during that coaching that really moved you forward? Or was it all just kind of all-encompassing, all um, the things firing together? 
I'll tell you one thing. This was actually Tony, uh, another conversation I had with Tony. So, and again, there, there's a lot of like, like minor things, but, um, you know, I was sitting down with him. This was maybe seven or eight months into it. Mm. And, uh, you know, he still, he was always just kind of like, why aren't you going for it? Why aren't you going for it? Why aren't you going for it? So, so he sits me down um, after I had done another um, five minutes of like one of his showcases. Mm-hmm. And he goes, hopefully he doesn't mind me sharing the story, but he goes, he goes, you know, Paul, he's like, you know, I went to Hollywood when I was like 20 or whatever. And he was like, you know, I was starting to, to, to make it, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, they were writing articles about me as like this next up and coming actor. Hmm. And he goes, but you know, I was addicted to drugs, I was an alcoholic, and I had a callback for a big movie role. I showed up to the callback drunk. Mm. I didn't get it. You want to know who did get it? Brad Pitt. Damn. He goes, you know. He's like, so when I look back on that, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I gave it the old college try. Maybe I, you know, I blew my opportunity. Then he looks at me, he goes, but you want to know what? At least I effing tried. At least fucking tried. And he just, Damn. boom, you know what I mean? And that was like. Yeah, I feel it. Boom. I feel it now. Yeah, that like, I went, oh. Like it's like, why tried. wouldn't I? Right? right. It's like, and it's. All an iteration of fear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like fear. I'm not going to make it. Fear. I'm going to go out there and fail. Fear. I'm going to go out there and and not be. It's like I think Jim Carrey describes it as as fear described or fear disguised as practicality. Right. Right. It's so easy. That's I was yeah. telling my wife. It's like I I noticed these little things. I say why I can't do this or I can't do that. Yeah. I was like at the end of the day, they're just fucking excuses. Yeah. Like they really are, and you can find a way past it. Yeah, you can always talk yourself out of doing something. Right. <laughs> Fear so, disguises itself. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard that. That's com- legit. That commencement speech that Jim Carrey gave. That's, I think I've seen a clip where yeah. he talked about his dad. Yeah. And that that spoke to me. Yeah. It's like you can fail the things you don't like. Fail the things you don't want. And that honestly was a, a spur for me. So yeah, dude, I, I think he says I that in that same try, speech. Though. He says, "Yeah, it's just uh, fear described as practicality." So, so then hmm. I just had to look at it. I'm like, you know, when I'm 80 it. or whatever, and I look back on my life, what would I rather say? <laughs> so let's assume that this doesn't work out. Let's right. assume another couple of years, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go back and get a real estate license again, right? <laughs> would I rather look back on my life and say, well, at least be like Tony, at least I effing tried? Right. Or would I rather be like, no, I didn't give it a try because, uh, blah, 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 blah. you know what I mean? Part, like oh, any oh, other oh, reason. Oh. And I was like, I at least got to try. I love it. At least got to try. And here's the other thing. That's an amazing story, man. Right? That's, <laughs> sorry, go so, ahead. <laughs> there, so there's another component to the story, which I, right about that same time, I actually quit real estate and I, I got a day job mm-hmm. working for a software company. That's actually where I met Dan. Dan, Dan was employed by the company to kind of be the life coach of the company. Oh, okay. Dan, the life coach. My yeah. I'm trying to find um, The company's called Infusionsoft. Um, really amazing company and they helped me out a ton and still do um so the the vice president of the company at the time was a woman named uh, elizabeth pitt mm-hmm. remarkable human being so the whole company one of their models is like we believe in people in their dreams hmm. right that was one of their core values so at the same time that I meet Tony and he's starting to encourage me to move LA, I've now entered this culture that believes in people's and their dreams, believes in people and their dreams, and hires a full-time life coach to help facilitate that. Damn. 
right? Perfect. Right. So that's when I started working with Dan. He started okay. hacking away at all the fears and all of this in my mind and stuff. But anyway, <laughs> I had this conversation with Elizabeth Pitt. Um, I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I don't remember exactly how it all came about. But, but she said something like, you know, we spend most of our time um, imagining how bad things can go, imagining worst case scenario. Mm. She goes, we never actually spend any time imagining what it would be like if things turned out better than we expected. Right. She goes, you want to know what? Sometimes things actually turn out better than we expected. Hmm. And I've kind of changed my whole mindset to like, what if I tried to live life assuming that things are actually going to turn out better than I expected? That's huge. And the ironic thing is, so many things have turned out better than I could have possibly imagined. I mean, my whole LA experience to this point, yeah. I mean, even this place that I live in right now, how yeah. I found this, how it came to be, the circumstances that I'm in, the opportunities that I had. Five years ago, I didn't expect... I didn't even expect that. I expect I was mm -hmm. going to come out and be homeless on Hollywood Boulevard, you know what I mean, and just be depressed. Suffering for yeah. my art. I'm sure I'm going to get good material out yeah. of this. And uh... yeah. <laughs> We'll work for a movie role, you know. Oh, I guess that doesn't work. But anyway, and the things, things that is like be better than I expected. So I try to keep that hmm. in mind when I get discouraged, which is often. You know, you still right. get discouraged. You still get depressed. You still And as an artist, it seems like, like oh. life is a roller coaster. Like, it's awesome. And then... Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> that's huge though, because it's that inspires me because I've been told like, think about what if it would work. Yeah. Right. But she took it to that next level yeah. where I don't even know. Like as I'm thinking, as you're talking, like, am I ready to start thinking what if it turned out better? Yeah. So that's that's huge, man. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. So I've been in LA now for four years and. You know, I've had all kind kinds of experiences, but it's just now starting to where I'm I'm starting to have these experiences mm -hmm. where I'm going like, man, I just can't believe that 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 I got to do that. You right. know what I mean? Like that I was the guy. You know, I did did my first like booked comedy tour nice. in September. This this booker named Pat Wilson, who I met at a comedy festival like a year ago. Oh yeah, dude! Just randomly booked me for like eight eight spots headlining spots up in Oregon and Seattle and these like casinos and restaurants and stuff awesome man and like I showed well. these restaurants oh it went great that's and, like, awesome. I show up and there's a marquee with my picture and stuff and I'm yeah. like that's me Instagram what you know <laughs> and I'm like I, you know like and it's funny because like I didn't even imagine like that was better than I expected you know what I yeah. mean like I love it better than you it's expected. going better than I expected I'm gonna have to clip that out and yeah have like put this out but then also that other section just as its own that's, yeah. that's legit man yeah yeah, and you know, and these last couple of months have been great because I've been all over the country now, like mm -hmm. doing comedy and ha having these experiences. It's like we met in Houston. Yeah, last we met week. in Houston <laughs> you know? yesterday or yeah, yeah, two days like, ago. Yeah. <laughs> now here we are in now, your living Pasadena. room slash studio and let me crash, which I appreciate. Thank you, you so betcha. much. I wasn't sleeping in my car in LA. Yeah. And, but I hear a lot of people do that anyway, yeah. so that's kind of a thing. But yeah, actually, a friend of mine, she was homeless for like. Two, two months living in her car, but uh, it happened to be a Mercedes SUV that she went on Better Make a Deal, so. <laughs> or Let's Make a Deal. So that's Hollywood for you. That is Hollywood. <laughs> She's sleeping Damn. in her car, but it happens to be a Mercedes. <laughs> that's that's amazing. That really that, sums up Hollywood right there. God, Just the agony when she the really ecstasy. makes it, that's yeah. going to be a, 
amazing story. In my Mercedes. In my Mercedes. Can't afford a damn because yeah. the rent's too damn high. Yeah. But uh, man, that's that's amazing. So so you come to LA, and we were talking earlier about another coach you found out here. And yes. Kind of the process you're going through. That was really fascinating to me. Can you know, unpack some of that process that you yeah. That, yeah, that's a lot to unpack. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so when I first moved out here, I didn't really know what avenue. My ultimate goal is and was to be on a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be a sitcom actor. So I tried to go at that route directly mm-hmm. and just found it just wasn't working. Okay. But is I also it's like the cast, casting calls one after oh, another. The casting and calls and, the, and the, the whole acting thing. Um, I mean, the grind. The grind right. is soul-draining. Um, uh, my respect to actors who, who do that grind and, and make it. Yeah, I tour with a bass player who, he always joked how music was his plan B because yeah. acting was his plan A. Yeah. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm brilliant, right? right. And, uh, but yeah, he was telling me about that life. I'm like, damn. He's like, and every single time you walk in, you're too old, you're too young, yeah. you're too white, you're too young. <laughs> like all these things. And yeah. that's tough, tough and that's, world. And that's if you're good. <laughs> that's if you're good. Wow. I mean, you could be the most talented actor ever, and they're going to walk in and be like, yeah, we wanted someone. You know what I mean? And they can do that. They can do that because the line is, there's 5,000 people going out. They all want it. You know, you know, for that role. Right. So, but I mean, but if that is what you want, that's what then you, you don't mind that grind. Okay. Then, then that's what you do, you know. And it is ultimately what I want, but the grind was just not conducive to, to what I had going on. So um, about a year and a half ago, I, I made a commitment. I was like, I'm going to get real focused because I was way too spread out. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. just going to focus on stand-up. And I was like, what would it look like if I became the best stand-up comedian I could possibly be? Nice. Right? Like, if that was my focus and I'm like, I'm going to figure this one art form out. Mm. Because no matter what door you knock on, so competitive. Stand-up comedy, so competitive. Right. There are so many brilliantly, I mean, thousands, if not tens of thousands maybe even hundreds of thousands. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what the actual number is. But just in L.A., it's like... here, here, here just was a, one spot. Yeah, just one spot. And then multiply that by New York, multiply that by Chicago, multiply mm-hmm. that by Montreal, multiply that by, you know, right. Houston. I mean, any major city has, has a comedy scene, you mm-hmm. know, with brilliantly funny stand-up comics. So, um, uh what was the point I was making? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh yeah, so I was getting really focused on on stand up and just like, what would it look like if, if I became the you know the best stand up comedian I could be? Um, so right around that time, I met a stand up uh, comedy teacher named uh, Steve North. Um, him and his wife, Steve and Barb North, and they taught a class called On Stage Character Persona. Mm-hmm. And I took that class, and it was just super eye opening to me. Because I had felt like up until that point, it's just like you just feel like you're throwing jokes to the wind, and you hope people laugh at it. Like, is that one? And that can be soul sucking too, because I mean, you're doing open mic after open mic, and you're trying to get most open mics. It's all comedians, right? So you're trying to get comedians to laugh at you, which, which is probably a whole. It's like musicians trying to get respect. From musicians, yeah. when we go out and play, it's just a it's like whole a magician other level. doing magic, you know, slide a hand right. in front of another magician. I know it's that like, one. Let me guess, your palm on the card, you know, <laughs> um, it's in your sleeve. I bet, yeah. So, so you know, I mean, that can be really, really challenging. But their whole concept was very different, and they just said, well, first of all, 
you figure out what your comedic character is. Mm -hmm. And it's not an invention, it's really a discovery. You're gonna find out naturally within your personality and your character who you already naturally are. Hmm. There's a part of you that is comedically, that's gonna comedically resonate with an audience. And if you can identify that part and then get very focused on it and specific, identify it, hone it, mm -hmm. that then all of your writing comes through that filter. Wow. And once you discover that, then it's like game over. And any comedian who's ever blown up that you know by name right. has that character persona. The audience knows exactly who they are on stage. And the moment you had mentioned it when we were talking earlier, I was like, man, you're right. Like yeah. all thinking through all of them. It's and it's actually with any artist. <clears throat> I mean, mm -hmm. you look at even actors. It's like, if you look at any actor who's been success successful mm -hmm. in movie and television, they ultimately play the same character right. with, I mean, you know, a little bit of give and take here, exactly. there. But it's like, I mean, you name an actor, it's like, you know exactly who you're getting. You know, you know exactly. Like a heightened version of this person yeah. or that person. You know exactly who Seth Rogen is. Right. Right. You're going to get, uh, you know, kind of a pot smoker, dumb guy. <laughs> right. You know, kind of that guy. Yeah. You know, you know who Jonah Hill is. You know who Tom Cruise is. You know who Brad Pitt is. You know, like. Exactly. They have this persona hmm. julie roberts george clooney you know what yeah. i mean and then just go down the list right um and it's the same thing with stand-up right you look at your bill burrs your jerry seinfelds your your amy schumers your your um eliza schlesinger's your chris D'Elia's, you know like mm -hmm. all of these comedians who are and we talked about anthony jesselnick you yeah. know like john mulaney he's the one who's like i think i was just so dialed in yeah. and so sharp you look at anthony jesselnick same formula Mm -hmm. Same character, multiple Netflix specials. Look at like a Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. right? We know everything is going to come from this guy who gets no respect, right? <laughs> and the thing is, you find that note, you just keep singing that note. It's like, oh, that's one note. It's like, no, it's successful. That's what it right. is. It's like ACDC. Yeah. They found their thing. And yeah. it's the same thing. Right. Every single album, but people connect and resonate with it. Yeah. You know? And then you get nine seasons of Seinfeld. You get nine <laughs> seasons of four characters who never learn anything, who never grow, who, right? Right. On see, the last episode of season nine, they're just as petty, just as shallow, just as uninformed as they were on season like, one. And, that was and you the wanna thing? know what? Emmys, 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 hundreds of millions of dollars, right? right? It's like, once you find that. Now, I mean, you can be like, oh, well, I wanna be artistic and I'm not one noted. It's like, good luck. Right, well, luck. And, and that's what, <laughs> that's what hit me so much as we were talking about it, because. I've been. I was telling you about studying this book on the alter ego, what high yeah. performance athletes, and and how they designed. Like I think it was uh, Bo Jackson. For him, it was actually Jason from the movie like Friday Thirteenth. Oh yeah. So when he got on the field, it was like he was meant to be a murderer. Like, yeah. and that's how he had to think to succeed in that environment. Yeah. But then he could leave it there as well and kind of have like his regular life because he wasn't like that in real life. So. Yeah. But that, that concept I've been trying to work out in my own performance as I try to figure out what does it look like to be a solo artist. And, but that's, to me, is just huge. Yeah. So what, what are some of the steps that have helped you in, in honing that? Well, I mean, yeah, a lot. I mean, that's all been Steve. You know, he's, mm -hmm. and he, of course, he has all his formulas. He has all of his, his right. uh, you know, writing patterns and, and stuff like that. Um, the one thing that he talked about uh, is the four there's four elements to a character mm -hmm. character has a flaw has a blind spot it has an attitude and it has an agenda 
Hmm. I right? like that. Now, what's interesting about that, so we talk about like Bo Jackson, right? Like you talk about him being Jason versus him being Bo Jackson, right? right? In real life, right? And don't so, quote me on that. I think it was Bo Jackson. I can't remember exact football sure. player, but go. <laughs> um, but I mean, but that totally makes sense, right? Because right. when you're in that high pressure environment I in front imagine. of 60,000 people or 100,000 right. people and not including the cameras and the fact that every single thing you do, every mistake you make is going to be on SportsCenter yeah, or going to be on YouTube. You know what I mean? You know, like you can type in like top 10 worst, you know, NFL players or whatever. And it's like the same guy. It's like that Cowboys guy running after the football and kicking it, you know, and creating a fumble when it was unnecessary. Like, like I've seen that play so many times. I don't even know who that, that guy is. But anyway, right. um, so as a comedian, you, so every comedian, and I'm talking about their character, I'm not talking in real life, although it's, it's, a, it's a derivative of their real person, right. um, has flaw. There's something wrong with them. And then they have a blind spot, and the blind spot is they don't see their flaw. Mm -hmm. Or if they if they do acknowledge their flaw, they they acknowledge it incorrectly. Gotcha. There's there's something they're missing. Right. Right. Um, then they have an attitude. How do they feel about that? Right. It's like Bill Burr is 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 <laughs> angry about it. Right. Very angry. Angry like ah, you know, like. But half the time, cracking up in the middle of being yeah. so damn angry. <laughs> right. Totally. You know, J Jerry Seinfeld is fed up about it. Like, well, what's the deal? You know, he's right. not over the top. Louis Black is angry. Get up there. You know, and, he's, and he has that yeah. attitude, right? Um, or uh, like, <laughs> what would John Mulaney's be? John Mulaney's is just kind of like, like hey. hey, I'm looking at them. They're, my mom's talking to Bill Clinton. You know, just kind of this, what's going on here? You know? And you can tell, like, these comedians, they have a very specific yeah. attitude on stage, a, a very specific emotional, mm -hmm. you know, how, how they feel about things. And they stay, you know, I mean, they, they may push against that a little bit, but if yeah. they go to us, like, try to imagine Jerry Seinfeld being actually angry. Right. Imagine being like, like really like what that the freaking airport security, right? We'd be like, <laughs> like whoa, whoa Seinfeld, what? That's that's what's not... going on? <laughs> yeah, like if he got angry, you yeah. know, it would be weird, right? Yeah. Um, like like, like mm. or if like this is awkward, or if like Bill Burr got like cutesy or so, you know what I mean? Like where like if Bill Burr tried to do what Aziz Ansari, have you seen his newest one? Oh, I haven't seen this. Where like one, no. it gets real serious and like almost like kind of cryy. Yeah. And like if Bill Burr tried that, I don't know if yeah. if it would like would go over. Oh great, we got a <laughs> some good background noise. We got a dump truck. It's that probably. LA life, right? Yeah. Is that? <laughs> uh, pause for audio. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the mics are good. Yeah. yeah. Let's see what's up, what's up. <laughs> I have this joke that I never tell because it'll only be funny to, to LA actors, but just be like, you know, it breaks my heart every time I hear a fire truck or an ambulance siren because I just know that somewhere in LA, a director lost a perfectly good take. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. In, in the recording life, I get that. Yeah. I get that. It's yeah. like, oh man. Like, that's when someone in the studio doesn't turn off their cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> Really? Because this is your first time in the studio? Right. Like, seriously? Take it back to one. That, that was great, man. There's mics everywhere. Yeah. Just so you know. Just so you know, <laughs> it's $20,000 a minute for this studio. <laughs> but anyway, so back to character persona. Yes. Yeah. So they have their attitude and then they have their agenda. Now, this is what's really interesting because, again, the agenda of the character is not the agenda of the person, right? right. So Paul Green's onstage character is not Paul Green's agenda because Paul Green's agenda is very clear. I want to make these people laugh. Exactly. 
I want them to laugh and I want to be successful as a comedian or whatever. But if you want to make people laugh as the main character, you're losing right. the actual piece of what you're trying to do. Right. So my, my character's agenda is to try to convince these people that I'm normal. Trying to convince these people how wrong the world is for what the world has said to me. Right. Right. And so when I come on stage, and I'll tell you, you can instantly, that now that I've studied with Steve so long, you can instantly tell the difference between a comic and a comedian. Hmm. A comic is that person just up there telling jokes. Right. Hey, I was at the airport the other day, and, and they're just trying to say jokes. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a comedian who is assuming in a character the moment they walk on stage, they're hmm. in character, right? That's cool. And one surefire way to tell the difference is a comic almost always starts their set with, hey, how's everybody doing? Right? They Immediately au- seeking affirmation. Automatically seeking affirmation. A- automatically, tri- hey, uh, yeah, everybody doing good? Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless that actually is their persona, but most of the time. And right. you can tell the difference because the audience immediately pulls back. Yeah. And they like, go, hey, let's let's hear it again for your host. Yay. Yeah. It's like... It's all wasted time. And that's interesting because I remember touring with a, a band who had done some like international stuff and the first band I did way back in the day. And we were kind of like asking people to do things. And you, like finally after like two or three shows in this tour, he goes, don't ask them to do stuff. You tell them. Yeah. You tell them they're going to clap. You tell them they're going to have fun. And I was like, oh, I'm going to tell them. Let's go tell them. You know, And yeah. it really made a huge difference to come out and like, just say, no, this is what we're going to do, and you're going to love it, and we're going right. to have fun. So I could see the same, same oh, thing totally. with you guys. Like, oh, man, that's one of my <laughs> biggest pet peeves with comics. Hey, everybody, welcome to the stage, this comic. The cloud's crappy, clapping. Hey, yeah. the comic comes out. Hey, how's everybody doing? You're it's like, like, damn it, you had your moment. Take you just, they just <laughs> clapped for you. Yeah. They just cheered, <laughs> and, and it's such a wasted question. Right. What, what do you expect in response? Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Um, actually, I'm a little uh, over-emotionally overwhelmed. Uh, dude, you know, it's like... <laughs> You're like, this is awkward. It's just a pander. Have you seen Afterlife uh, with uh, Ricky Javaris? Oh, no, I don't think so. Brilliant show, but yeah. there's a scene where he, like, he's mourning the loss of his wife, and some he the, he goes to a comedy show because someone drags <laughs> them there, and is like, how's everyone doing? It's like, I'm doing horrible. Lost my... <laughs> Like, right. And it just like the whole room's like, oh. Uh, so I I had the alarm because I know you got a meeting. Uh, um, we got it's one twenty six. We got four minutes. So I do want to hit the last two. This has been great stuff. We'll have to do it again and maybe dive into some other stuff. But so the the last two, maybe if you could make them into memes, like okay. like a graphic or a meme you're gonna share uh, to you, what does it mean to live a great life? What does it mean to live a great life? I would say if you are as fulfilled in the process as you are in success, you're probably on the right track. I dig it. That's awesome. All right. So since we're sure, I would love to unpack that. (laughs) I feel myself wanting to, but I know you can't. So the next one, again, another meme. What does it mean to you if you had to define it to create great things? This is going to sound really hacky and probably contrary to what a lot of people say because I know a lot of people say like, oh, you need to be true to yourself and, you know, who cares what other people think? I'm I'm totally the opposite. (laughs) It's like, what I care about 
is that I'm bringing joy to people and I'm connecting with people. Hmm. Like that's number one to me. Yeah. It's like that video from 10 years ago. Like it's more important for me to not be offensive <laughs> than to have that video out there. Gotcha. And be like, oh, well, here's me expressing my art or whatever. I'm like. As opposed to now it's taken away from your opportunity to impact yeah. other people now. It's like, That's this is going to cool sound as hokey as possible, but like I really consider my, okay, here's a quick story. I'll tell you this story. Um, so like four years ago, I was in the stand-up comedy class that I did not enjoy. And um, and the teacher was actually doing a periscope. Do you guys remember periscope? Oh, yeah. Is that still a thing? I think it still is, actually. Maybe it's still a thing. Okay, so so he's periscoping, and he's letting his periscope audience ask questions to the comedian. So kind of podcast style, but right. engaging the, the audience. And there are these two other comedians in there, and somebody asks, like, why, why are you doing comedy? You know, some mm -hmm. simple question like that. And these two other comics had almost an identical response. was like, you know, the first time I ever did comedy, comedy they are like, I actually totally bombed, but something about being on stage mm -hmm. was addicting to me, and like, I just have to do it, and I have to do it. And both of them said that, and I was like, oh no, I'm in trouble. You're like, that's not my reason. I don't feel that at <laughs> all. Like, it is hard for me to get on that stage. Yeah. You know, like, I don't enjoy it most of the time. <laughs> like, I mean, you're like, hmm. I'm struggling. And so I had a little bit of an existential crisis because that was like six months moving into L.A. And then I'm like, well, what the hell am I doing here? I do? Why did I listen to that dude yeah, back in Arizona? What's going on here? You know, and I had this little voice, this little response, just said, the reason you're here, because it's not about you. Hmm. It's like, you have a gift, you have something to share. And when you have something to share, when you have a gift, it is your opportunity your obligation if you want to say your responsibility to share it hmm. and it's like it's not about you it's not about what you get it's not about if I get famous and I get millions of dollars and I right. get a TV spot it's like how can I use what I've been given to share and to bring joy and to bring make people laugh to and, to, and to feel connected with people so that they yeah. feel a little bit better about you know when they're when they had somebody who passed away in their life or when they lose a job or mm -hmm. when they're struggling with an illness or depression or whatever, it's like my job is to go up there and to be as vulnerable and as funny and as and to bring as much of myself to that audience as I possibly can to just try to get them to laugh. Hmm. And to be honest, I don't care if, if I get artistic fulfillment. I don't care if it's oh, well, you know, this joke isn't funny, but I believe in it. It's like, if the audience... <laughs> you would think it was funny if you yes, were smarter. Yes, yes, yes. You just don't appreciate the finer points of my artistic expression. Forget all of you. I am an artiste. I'm just like, if they don't laugh, I'm cutting the joke. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm going to try to find another joke and work on it to try to get the, the, those people to laugh. Absolutely. I'm like, and maybe that makes me a hack and maybe that makes me... No, I think that's legit. You know? There's even the showcase that when we met and you emceed for a showcase yeah. that we did. I don't know if we didn't really preface that, but so like there was a part in there that I loved a lot, but I had other artists come up to me and go, hey, just letting you know it was really good, but there's that one moment that you kind of lost them. Mm. Just wanted, Cause they're in the bathroom. Yeah. I know them, I trust them. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I was kind of feeling that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I can keep it in yeah. or I can make people dance and sing and engage with them. Yeah. You know? So I love it. So that to me is is what's great, you know, and ever there's this criticism of like selling out, oh these people mm -hmm. sell out. I'm like, you wanna know what? If you can write a song and millions of people want to listen to that, hell yeah. Sell out. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, like I'm down. I'm know? down for selling out. Anybody? Yeah. Put me on your commercial. I don't think there's there, there's there's any shame into that. I, I definitely don't. I don't definitely don't don't find the virtue in in right. in putting your own artistic integrity above. Yeah. Bringing joy to someone else, be, being of service to someone else. Mm. But anyway, so that that's. That's about could fit on a meme. Right? I think so. Yeah. I think a really large meme. Very it's one of those thoughts. ones on Facebook where you click it and go. Yeah. And you're like, fuck it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you got two sentences, buddy. Yeah. Two like, sentences. I hate those. I'm like, <laughs> really? It's Facebook. I don't have that much time. Yeah. So I. Anyway, thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure. I appreciate. It. I know you got to go, and uh, hopefully we'll hang out again. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create Podcast.